Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the A-Town Stomp Podcast. I'm your host, John Michaels. Make sure you give me a follow on social media, at John Michaels U. That's where you can follow me on Twitter. Make sure you follow the business account, at Tackler Media, where Wes Blankenship, Jason Butt, and myself have come up with something that we are hoping to basically become the Southeast's go-to spot for media, for podcasts, for articles, and give you the coverage of everything that you guys really want. And I've been asked over the last week and really over the last 15, 17, 18 years how I got my start into radio and where we got to where we are today. So let's start today, and I'm going to kind of work my way back and give you an idea how Tackler Media came to be how I ended up getting a job in radio in Atlanta, of all places, and why this has been home and all of this other stuff. So back up, you know, I don't know, 16 months ago, and many of you know me from my time at 92.9 The Game here in Atlanta and on the Falcons Radio Network with Wes and Dave. Doing well. You know, I thought everything was great. Had had an awesome show with Rick Kamla, Mark Owens, and Paul Bible. And unfortunately, uh, things came to pass where they decided to go another direction and they let all of us go except for Mark Owens, who moved over to Star 94 as part of the morning show. So at that time, you know, I sat back and I tried to wonder and and tried to figure out what the heck was I going to do next? And again, this is 15, 16 months ago. Obviously went and met with 680 and Dickie Broadcasting, and I've done a lot of work over there. As a matter of fact, this week I'm doing stuff with Chuck Oliver's show. Next week I'll be on the front row. And, you know, had a lot of conversations with trying to figure out whether I was going to go over there full-time or not. And as of right now, it hasn't worked out. But, you know, no hard feelings one way or the other. I enjoy the relationship I have with David Dickey and with Scotty McFarlane uh, and Jim Mahaney and all the guys that are over there. I obviously know most of the people that are involved with the radio station over there because I've worked with a lot of them in the past. And one of the things you'll realize in this business, if you're somebody that wants to get into it, pretty simply, it's a business where you better be careful on your way up because maybe on your way back down, you're going to run into people and you may end up working for somebody that you didn't like years and years ago, which is why I try to, at all costs, be as friendly as I can to everybody that's out there. And anybody that's met me in the business will let you know I'm kind of the same way. So 15 months ago, that happens. All of a sudden, fast forward now and coronavirus hits. And I'll be honest, I've had jobs in between as well as working in radio had a full-time job at SB Nation radio for the last five and a half months and then when the coronavirus hit unfortunately ad money went boop and went downhill and it left me out of a full-time gig now I still work with them I still do one night a week hopefully when advertising money when sports comes back you know when that kicks back in Hopefully there's a chance for me to get back to there full time because what's great about that is I do the show out of my house. I converted a studio or converted a bedroom in my basement into a, you know, kind of a makeshift studio and I do the national broadcast out of my house. It's great. I walk downstairs. If the show starts at 10.05, at 10 o'clock I walk downstairs. I connect via a piece of equipment and off we go. But with that stream of income gone and the full-time job that I was working outside of full-time radio gone as well, you know, I started thinking, how can I stay in the media business while nobody's hiring? And that's a big problem that's going on right now is nobody's hiring. Seven, uh, not 790, uh, 92.9, not hiring. 680, not hiring. And understand advertising money has gone downhill. So unless I wanted to move out of the market, 
I had to figure out something. And I'll be honest, I got my idea from a buddy of mine in Miami, Ethan Skolnick, who worked for the Miami Heat, part of the uh, Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel coverage for years. He did afternoons at 790 The Ticket. A few years ago, I guess, was in a similar dilemma as to where I'm at right now. Out of work, looking for a job. Anybody, again, that's trying to get into sports radio, jobs are limited, basically, unless somebody retires moves, gets fired for doing something stupid, or goes to another market, these jobs just don't come available, you know, day in and day out. It's not like going to work at a trucking company or going to work at Amazon where they're constantly hiring. Sports radio, you know, people always say, well, you know, such and such got let go on one station, he ends up at the other station. Well, that's because there's only two stations in the city of Atlanta. So I sat back and I looked at what Ethan did. Ethan was going through this and he developed a company called Five Reasons Sports Network brought in podcasters, he brought in writers, he took his connections from his time with the Heat, and in about three years, he's built a very successful company down there that, you know, basically takes the media game away from being on terrestrial radio. It takes the media game away from being in a situation where he needs to answer to somebody. So I started thinking about this, and I put it up on social media. Most reaction was really, really positive. There was some reaction, you know, of people saying, we hate you in this town and we don't want you here, and that's fine. I've always been told by every program director I've worked with, you either want to be loved or you want to be hated. You don't want to be the guy that's in the middle that nobody gives a damn about. So luckily, I've either fallen on the love side or the hated side. There's not a lot of in-between when it comes to me. While I was thinking about this, The Athletic, one of the you know most noted and respected companies out there with some great writers, laid off 46 people, and Jason Butt happened to be one of them. And I've worked with Jason on Channel 11 on Sports Extra multiple times. I've read his work, obviously, on the Falcons. I've heard him on Dukes and Bell and many other outlets around town, and he does a tremendous job. And Wes Blankenship is somebody that I've worked with in the past and I really liked and I thought he was a super intelligent guy. And then what he did with Coffee Town a year ago to get on SEC Network and all of this different stuff was nothing short of amazing. So when I put the tweet out and then the domino fell with the athletic, the plan was in place in my head that I've already got a team assembled that I think can make a great media startup and we can move forward from there. Just so happened at the same time, this group called Substack reached out to me and said, look, we have helped take writers and podcasters and connect them with a network that will allow them to put their stuff out to the masses via email. This was out of nowhere. The guy found me and I said, oh my goodness. Well, about the same time, Mike Conti, good friend of mine from 92.9 The Game, sends me an article about Substack and says, this is kind of the way of the future when it comes to people that are writers and whatnot. Instead of, again, having to find a job on Bleacher Report or somewhere else, you do your own thing and then you figure out how to monetize it. So the plan was in place for me and how to, how to create this media group. And I reached out to Wes and I reached out to Jason maybe a month ago. And we sat down and we've had probably 25 meetings in the last month. And we we bought a domain and we connected it to Substack and we had many conversations about the name that we were going to have and the one that we found that fit the description of what we want to do and which fit the description of kind of a sports media outlet was Tackler Media. So this past Monday, we finally went live with Tackler Media, put out some of our introductory articles 
Had a great conversation with DJ Shockley. Um, did some stuff with the Savannah Bananas and the Making Bacon yesterday, the first live sporting event in the state of Georgia since COVID-19 has hit. And now we're thinking about, okay, how can we make this a group that becomes a viable stream of media at a time where I think media in Atlanta, quite frankly, is understaffed? No disrespect, because, again, I love the guys at 680, at the Sports X. I love the guys at 92.9. You know, I know a lot of people think I have ill will towards all of them. I talk to Carl and Mike and Randy and Andy and John and Hugh and John Chuckery and Conti and Sean Tuff. I talk to all of them all the time. Like, these are my guys. You don't work with a, a group for five years and go to Super Bowls with them and then act like you don't like them. The guys at 680, I came up thanks to Stake and Nick and Chris who kind of took me under their wing and Sandra Golden as well years ago. Chuck Oliver and Matt Chernoff and home team and Zinno. I've known or worked with all of them, so I get along with all of them great. But what I look right now is we have a vacuum in Atlanta and it is not being fulfilled. It's not filling up our media palette. We are getting our sources or we're getting our reports from literally like the same people over and over again. And nothing against the radio guys. I'm one of them. I'll be back on radio eventually somewhere. Who knows where that's going to be. Uh, but that's not if this venture takes off the way that I like it to. So you look around the city. We are the number seven or eight media market in all of the United States. Seven or eight. Think about that for a second. Like, if you're a top seven team in college football, you feel pretty damn good about yourself. Well, Atlanta's a top eight media market. You know, the only ones that are above us are L.A., New York, Chicago, I think Philly, Boston. There's like one or two more. Dallas, Fort Worth, I know, is one of them. Houston as well. And then there's Atlanta. But if you go look, go to a game in New York and see how many media members are there. Go, go look at what happens in Chicago or Los Angeles when they're covering stuff. Go to Dallas, the way that they cover stuff, and then come here. Go to Falcons training camp. How many media members are out there? You have the radio station, guys. We all know who they are. You're going to have D-Led from the AJC, maybe one other person from the AJC, Jeff Schultz from The Athletic, Jason Butt would have been there, but he's not there this time, and Vaughn McClure from ESPN. Everybody else you see out there media-wise is connected to the Falcons, whether it's Arch or Wes or Kelsey Conway or William McFadden or all of them. They're all connected to the Falcons. We don't have, and there's some uh, associated press writers as well. I, I don't want to leave them out. But we don't have near the coverage that New York does. Yet we're only like six media markets behind that. And I, I think in, in our wisdom when it came to creating Tackler Media there are too many talented people in this business who aren't working, and there's too many talented people in this business right now that need an outlet and need to cobble together and do it all under one umbrella. Think about it. There are hundreds of sports podcasts around the city of Atlanta, hundreds. And I know a lot of the guys, I've been on their podcasts. I respect the hustle and their grinding. But in the hundreds of podcasts, they're making peanuts. They're fighting over $100 here and $500 there. And my vision for this and Wes's vision and Jason's vision for this is to build this till it's something big, till it's something like, think about it. SB Nation started kind of as a loose affiliation years and years ago, and now they're one of the power groups in all of media. Bleacher Report used to be a group where, if I'm not mistaken, fans could actually just write articles and post them on their page to now where Bleacher Report's one of the biggest media outlets there are. 
That's the vision for Tackler Media. I want to make this the Southeast's biggest media outlet. Southeast. We're going to be Atlanta hub, no doubt about it. But think about the crossroads of Atlanta. You've got everything coming from the north down I-85. You've got everything coming from the north down I-75. Florida is south of you down I-75 as well. And then I-20 runs east and west, can get you into Alabama, get you all the way to California if you want to go that far. But we're connected. And if we limit ourselves to just Atlanta, don't get me wrong, focus is going to be Atlanta. I think the Falcons, the Braves, the Hawks, Atlanta United, Georgia, and Georgia Tech are all underreported and underappreciated in this city. They are. So we're going to cover them to the nth degree, but we also got the crossroads of the SEC and the ACC. And if you ever drive around Atlanta, which I know most of you have, you drive around Atlanta, what do you see? Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Clemson, Tennessee, Miami, Florida State, you name it, Duke, North Carolina, you see tags and t-shirts representing every one of those schools. And I think college football is so grossly underappreciated in this region and underreported and under-talked about, we're going to pepper this website with a lot of college football coverage. Because think about it in this town. Who are the college football guys? The guys who go, I, I need to listen to some college football coverage. Tony Barnhart, but he's, he's national now. Chuck Oliver is the king of college football. Who else? I mean, I'm being serious. I know Wes Durham's here, but Wes is national now and doesn't do just singular college football conversation. DJ Shockley's here. He's our dude. You know, but he's national with SEC Network. How much coverage do we get here that needs more? College football needs to be covered more, and that's what Tackler Media is going to bring to you. So it brings me to this, and I know Jason did an introductory article on Monday. Wes did a tremendous piece with the behind the scenes of how Coffee Town came to be. And now that I've kind of given you the background and the vision of what we want for Tackler Media, I got to tell you how I got into media. And, it, and it's a funny story. I, I'll do it. And some people have heard it before. Other people haven't. A lot of people have come up to me and said, John, how do you get into media? And it's different in 2020 than it was in 2004 when I took a leap of faith and got into a career that I knew day one was something that I wanted to be. Rewind back to 1992. I graduated high school, Palm Beach Lakes High School in West Palm Beach, Florida. Had scholarships to go play football. I was an idiot. I stayed home for a girlfriend. Stayed home for the girlfriend. We lasted about to the end of summer, and I lost my scholarships to go play football. Now, granted, they were small schools, NAIA, some Division II, nothing that was going to get me drafted in the NFL, but I would have had my college paid for at that time, my mom was really pressing. What are you going to do with life? And the only thing I ever cared about, even as a 17-year-old, was sports. Sports was my life. I fell in love with this medium years ago. I used to fall asleep listening to 610 WIOD in Miami. They broadcasted Yankees baseball. How I became a Yankee fan? The Marlins didn't exist when I was a kid. And every Tuesday night on, on Channel 29, which lo later turned into a Fox station, they used to show New York Yankees baseball. That's how I became a Yankees fan. But I used to listen to Yankees games on the radio, and I'd go to sleep to that a lot of nights. Or the game would end, and I'd turn it off, and I'd go to sleep. Second thing, and again, this is where I tell my age, cable and internet and everything being at our fingertips like they are today didn't exist in the 80s and 90s. 
college football, you got the game of the week on CBS. You may have gotten a game of the week on ABC. I think there might have been a total of five to ten games per weekend that were on TV. ESPN may have had a game as well, but that was it. You didn't get the cornucopia of football that we get right now on a Saturday afternoon. So what did I do? I, I wanted to hear the University of Miami play. You guys know me, Giant Canes fan. Joseph Gacky, I'm now really good friends with him. Joseph Gacky's been the voice of Miami forever. Before him, it was the late, great Sonny Hirsch. The only place that I could get reception literally was sitting on the roof of my house because I had one of those old box radios, and I'd listen to it there. So think about that for a second. 95 degrees in South Florida, 1,600% humidity, and I'd make my way up to the roof, and we were lucky. We had a flat roof in West Palm. I'd make my way to the roof. I'd put the antenna up, and I'd sit back a lot of times for three hours and listen to Miami football. I didn't care if they won 45-3 to against Oklahoma State. I listened snap to snap, and I fell in love with the radio medium because I said, man, this guy is painting a picture and telling a story about what it is. So fast forward. I go to college. I go to school for something other than broadcasting. I get here to Atlanta. I'm working in logistics. If many of you remember, I'm working at the old General Motors plant right there off 285. Loved it. Great place. Good job. I knew for a fact I did not want to do that the rest of my life. Never was there a good day at the job. Now, I knew how to pimp it. I'd go out in the parking lot and sleep. My, my house was like eight minutes from there, so I'd drive home a lot of times and act like I would, the plant was like four square miles. So they'd hit me up on the radio, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm back here. And I, we'd play the shell game. They'd go there. I'd go somewhere else. By then, I've driven back to the plant. But at the time, I was a big fan of 790 The Zone. I had found them. It was Mayhem in the PM. Used to be Mike Bell, Steak Shapiro, Bo Bach, and Chris Domino. Uh, who's got enough air in the room for those four guys? And I love all four of them, and I say that respectfully, but who has enough air in the room for the four of those guys? But I used to listen to them, and I became fans of them, and then they moved it to the bottom line. I think it was Nick and Chris, or it may have been the bottom line. Maybe it was Bo, Steak, Bell, and somebody else. But, and, I used to, and it was the bottom line. It was Nick and Chris, so I always used to listen to them. Well, Jamal Jones, who's now uh, the, the director of operations here on Tackler Media, he is one of my best friends uh, in the city, and he decided, he goes, dude, I'm going to get an internship at 790. And he applied because he was going back to school to get his business degree and then get a master's from there. So he applied. Literally a year after he applied, because at the time, 790 said, you got to be a student to be able to come in here and intern, which was a crock of crap, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Long story short, a year later, Jason Comito, who I believe was the promotions director, was cleaning his desk and found Jamal's resume. It's a true story behind a filing cabinet. Pulls it out. Hi, I wonder if this guy still wants a job. Calls Jamal. Jamal goes, absolutely, I'll come in and intern. This is February of 2004. He starts his internship. So his internship, if you've ever worked in radio, it's pretty much working in promotions where you set up the tent, you hang the banners, you pass out the koozies and pens and all the stuff you see at, at different radio station events around town. You might get paid, you might not. It really just depends. Long story short, Jamal goes, John, you know more about sports than anybody I know. I got to get you in here. So again, back then, 790 Independent Company, 
He said, start hanging around the business. Eventually, somebody's going to know you, and eventually something's going to work. So I did that. Anywhere Jamal went, I went. If he had an event with the two live stews at Dugan's, guess who was at uh, Dugan's? I was at Dugan's. They had this thing called the Entertainment Reporter Search, uh, 2004. I'm not employed at 790 at all. I'm Jamal's friend. Jamal is an intern, so he's not even really employed. But Doug and Ryan go, Jamal, your job, find me an entertainment reporter. Uh, we want a new entertainment reporter because I think Miss Mary was going to do something else. So we had like this 30 or 50 girl interview and Jamal looks at me. He's kind of quiet guy. Dude, I, I just can't do this by myself. The Stews have entrusted this to me. You need to come with me. All right. For me as a single man, I'm like, it's a chance to meet women uh, and it's a chance to be in the building. So we walk in. 7.90, 5 o'clock, that place was a ghost town. You walked in that office, nobody was there. So me and Jamal walked in, probably lied to the girls and told them that we were a lot more than we were. And again, I don't even work there yet. And we start doing interviews. True story. You know about the third girl that we interviewed? Her name is Elle Duncan. She's on SportsCenter. Jamal and I knew day one Elle Duncan was going to be a star. She ended up losing the entertainment reporter search, but... In the, in the process, the number one person who won it couldn't do it. Elle ended up being the next person in line. She did it. She ended up getting a job at V103, went on to Boston. Now she's a star on SportsCenter. True story. Jamal and I were the first people that interviewed Elle Duncan in Atlanta. We were the ones that said she was going to be a star. I'm not making this up. We'll try to get Elle on Tackler Media one of these days. So fast forward. I'm still not an employee, but I'm hanging around. People are starting to know me as Jamal's friend. They don't know who the hell I am. I'm just Jamal's friend. Stews have a huge all-white party in Buckhead early, probably late June, early July. Me and Jamal show up to support. I'm there to drink and party and, again, meet girls. And the interns that were supposed to set up the event did a piss-poor job. Cody Hicks, who was the promotions director at the time, looks at me and goes, you want a job? He goes, I see you around all the time. And I go, are you serious? He goes, you start tomorrow. These two idiot interns that are here, they're fired. Mind you, I still have a full-time job at the General Motors plant, and I tell Cody up front, look, I can do nights and weekends. I have to work full-time unless you're paying me. I think I was making like 40 grand at the time. I said, unless you're paying me 40 grand, I'll do nights and weekends. He goes, cool. Most of our events are nights and weekends. As an intern, you're going to come in, boom, you're going to set up stuff, this, that, and the other. My first event, Dantana's in Buckhead with Chris Cotter. By the way, ESPN. Chris Cotter gives me the name House. I'm a big guy, and I go, House. He goes, you look like House of Pain. So my nickname from him and Matt Chernoff was House, which is hilarious. But the salespeople saw me, and I had no fear. I'm a club guy. I'm 29 years old, and I'm an intern. My job as an intern was to get people to sign up for this ultimate sports reporter contest, whatever they were doing. I walked around the whole bar, met people, gave out stuff, boom. Sales guy Gary Blitzer looks at me and goes, I like this guy. Cody calls me the next day and goes, Blitz wants you on every other event the rest of the time. So now all of a sudden I've got events and I'm making, you know, 50 bucks an event, 75 bucks an event, feeling good about myself. Fast forward, Jamal and I, Jamal by now has moved up into like associate producer of the stews. And I think he's producing one of the weekend shows with Brandon and Wolvie. He goes, dude, we got to start doing demos. And again, for me, it's always been, if I ain't making money, what the hell am I doing a damn demo for? But that's a different story for a different day. So long story short, we start going into studios and doing demos. We call ourselves the college dropouts because both of us dropped out of college at the time uh, without getting our degree. And he's went on to get a master's degree and everything else. I am a, a fourth year senior who dropped out with about 30 hours to go. I'm an idiot. So we start putting these CDs. And back then you had to burn a CD. 
Boom. CD on the desk of Matt Edgar. No answer. CD on the desk of Matt Edgar. No answer. CD on. Literally for months, every weekend, Saturday when Brandon and Wolvie were done, Jamal and I would sit there and record two hours worth of demo, turn it in, no answer. Fast forward to August, out of nowhere. Uh, as a matter of fact, it may have even been after that. Fast forward a little bit further. Falcons are playing the Giants. The Miller Lite end zone show was Doug Stewart, Bobby Bear, Justin Hanover did update. Sam Raiden, my boy, ran the board. I used to always go up there and help Jamal. He was the producer. Doug Stewart gets in a car accident. This is a true story. Doug Stewart gets in a car accident on the way into work. And, you know, back then there was no getting to work an hour before. It was all the game ended. We got to be here five minutes after the game ends to go on the air. So Doug calls Jamal. I'm not going to make it. Well, Bobby Bear, if you know Bobby Bear, he can't run point. And he's a guy that's, you know, great dude, but he rambles and talks and whatever. And I had been interning with him for a while, so Bobby had gotten to where he trusted me. Jamal goes, Justin, you're going to run point, and to help you out, I'm going to bring John in studio. Sam's going to run the board. Bobby's great with it. Justin, who I've met a hundred times, is great with it. Jamal is great with it. Who doesn't know about it is the program director, Matt Edgar. So, we come in, come back. Falcons have just played uh, the Giants. I think Scotty Shapiro is up in New York in the locker room getting Falcons players. And we go on and start doing the postgame show. And we're about three segments into it. First segment, I didn't say a word. I sat there frozen because I didn't know what the hell to do. Bobby Bear, we go to break. He taps me on the shoulder and goes, bro, I know you know football. I've talked to you about football a bunch. Talk. Let's go. Second segment, I start talking. Third segment, I ta- start talking. We go to the third commercial break. Jamal grabs me and goes, dude, please don't mess up. I go, why? He goes, Matt Edgar just called me and asked, who the hell is on my radio waves right now? And I said, you didn't clear it with Matt? He goes, no, if I would have told you I didn't clear it with Matt, you wouldn't have gone on the air because I respect Matt Edgar. Great guy. Uh, fantastic program director. So anyway, I finish up that segment. Doug Stewart shows up. I'm finished. There's my first day on air. Nobody's given me authorization to be on air. Fast forward about a month. Matt Edgar accepts our apologies, finally goes, I like this college dropout thing. You guys are on Thursday night, 8 to 10. I'm not paying you. I just want to hear it. Okay, so me and Jamal go in and we do a two-hour kick-ass college football show because it's right before the season and, and whatever's going on and we're great. Awesome. Fast forward about a week or two later, and what ends up happening? Jamal doesn't have an update guy on a Saturday morning with Brandon and Wolvie. Back then, they used to do like a five- or six-hour show. They didn't want to do updates on their own. Matt Edgar tells Jamal, you handle it. His meaning you handle it is, Jamal, you do the updates. Jamal's meaning of you handle it is, hey, John, come in and do updates. Cool. I'm thinking he has it cleared with Matt Edgar again. Again, I go in and I do updates, and I know how to do updates. Knock them out. Everything's cool. Let's go with it. Brandon and Wolver are happy. Matt Edgar's pissed because Jamal was supposed to handle it on his own. Jamal gets a phone call and Matt Edgar says, if your boy John messes up one update, uh, both of you are fired and I never want to see you again. It's a true story. I don't know this. I do five hours worth of updates. Apparently, I did a pretty good job because we didn't get fired. Next week, Matt Edgar grabs me and goes, don't ever do that. Johnny, Johnny, it's Matt Edgar here. Don't ever do that again. Uh, I want to hear you, uh, you know, Jamal's not really a radio guy. I want to hear you do some more stuff. So Matt starts putting me on updates and doing other stuff. And long story short, we gorilla pimped our way into doing radio. I wasn't supposed to be there. Matt Edgar should have fired me not once but twice. I was a 29-year-old intern off the street 
Jamal was a 28-year-old slash executive producer intern, guy that had no radio background. We basically just said, we're going to take this over. Fast forward 15 years later, I've been on the Falcon sideline nine years. I had the number two midday show for about a three-year stretch with Rick Kamla. You know, I, I've, I'm the only person, this is a stupid pat on the back, and I don't know if it's a badge of honor or a badge of shame. I'm the only person in this market who's hosted a show on 790, 92.9, 680, and Atlanta Sports X. The only one. Because all the guys that are over at 680 haven't worked at 92.9. I've worked at all four. Now, either that means I'm good enough to be on all four stations or I'm not quite good enough to keep a job. I'm not really sure. My point to all this and kind of giving you the history behind this, we're here to gorilla pimp the market again. We're here to take over the Southeast and give you guys the coverage that you deserve. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of sitting back watching other people make money in an industry that I've worked my ass off to be in. I'm tired of sitting back watching guys like Jason Butt and Wes Blankenship get fired because money at a really, really high level isn't there to keep guys like that employed. So what we're here to do, we're here to entertain you, we're here to inform you, and we hope you guys will take this ride with Tackler Media with us. I appreciate you guys listening to my random rambling for 30 minutes about how I got here. Just know this, though. If you want something bad enough, you got to go take it because there's not a person in this world that's going to give you a damn thing. I've had to take every inch I've had in the media business, whether it's working for free, whether it's going on the air when I shouldn't be, whether it's beating down 92.9's door when 790 closed and said you'd be idiots if you don't hire me to where I'm at today. Jason West, Jamal, and I are going to take over the media market. That's our goal I hope you guys are here with us. We're going to try to give you the best coverage you've ever had, and we're not going to sugarcoat shit because we don't have to. This is our thing. This is your thing. We want to give you what fans want. Until then, we appreciate you guys subscribing, tacklermedia.com. Tell a friend to tell a friend. See ya.